Father, thank you for family. Thank you that you are our Father and we are your children, that we are all brothers and sisters in your family and we celebrate that as we share bread and wine together, as we recognize what our big brother, the Lord Jesus, has done for every one of us. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you that your purpose is for us to experience your love more and more. Hallelujah. We're going to pass the baskets in just a moment, but I thought it'd be good if we just make our kind of declaration of who we are at this point of celebrating being family together. So why don't you say this with me? We try and say this pretty much every week, remind ourselves of what our values are, what it is we focus on. So let's say this together. We are Catch the Fire Church. Can't hear you. We are Catch the Fire Church. We value Father's love, intimacy with God, restoring, redeeming, and releasing, equipping, and empowering. Amen. Those F-I-R-E values are right at the heart of all that we do. And... Uh, that's why we gather and we bring our tithes and offerings to God because that shows that we're putting him first. And uh, so I'm just going to pass one that way, our baskets and one over this way. Can I give that to one of you? Pass it back. That would be great. Thank you. When we bring our tithes and offerings, what we're saying is, okay, God, I'm trusting you <laughs> with my heart, my finances, my life, my family, pretty much everything. <laughs> and so uh, just pass those baskets around for those who've got their tithes and offerings to put in today. Uh, behind you over there, please. Thank you. <laughs> I know many of you give online. I'm thankful for that as well. And uh, the screen will show you if you want to give uh, by text, you just text a dollar amount to 84321. Uh, you can do that at any time. So if you're listening to this afterwards or you're watching this on the live stream, you can do that too. So thank you for your giving. We've already reached the highlight of the day, which I guess means that I'm not the highlight, which is just fine with me. But we are going to talk together about being a family, church as a family. And uh, in a family, you can misbehave as much as you like like some of these over here are doing. Um, you know, so if the folks on this side of the room want to misbehave as well, you're welcome to do that. Anyone in the middle want to misbehave, you can do that. Uh, I am used to that, and I will just keep talking. And so <laughs> if you're surrounded by people misbehaving, that's great. Uh, God loves kids, okay? Um, uh, somebody said the other day, well, you know, if we sing kids' songs, how will that be? Well, you've got to become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I want in. Okay, so if it's a kiddie song, I'm going to sing. <laughs> of course, if it's a grown-up song as well, we can sing. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about the orphan, didn't we? And, and if you missed that one, I'd really encourage you just to, to listen again to that because it's really vital that we catch it in our hearts. Remember what we said, that the orphan spirit, that's our enemy, wants you and I to have an orphan heart. And he keeps on at it, doesn't he? I mean, I know different ones of us, even this week, have been dealing with orphan issues. But God will always meet us at that point. I'm not looking at you, Jan. Oh, I just said your name on the recording. Oops. 
Jan and I were comparing notes beforehand about the orphan stuff that God's been bringing up. Listen, it's a universal issue. If you're breathing, you are breathing? Okay, good, yeah, just checking. If you're breathing, you still battle an orphan heart. But the thing is, it's not something you've got to try and kick out. It's something that's empty that needs to be filled. Yeah? Just like there's snacks over there. And if you get hungry because I go on too long, you can sneak over there and get a snack because you're hungry. Same if your heart is hungry for love. You can sneak anytime you want to your heavenly daddy, whether I'm talking or someone else is talking or nobody's talking. You can sneak over and get a refilling of love. Your father wants you to be filled with love. And so it's important for us to recognize and to accept that each of us battles with an orphan heart. <laughs> you know, that's the challenge in church sometimes, isn't it? You know, when I get a, a bit of an orphan attitude, well, then you're going to like, ooh, <laughs> I don't like Mark anymore. I'll go and talk to somebody else. But actually what I really need is for you to come say, hey, did you notice that your orphan's showing again? <laughs> Would you like to tuck it in? Would you like to would you like to ask God for more love, right? I'm just playing into the misbehavior a little bit here. Now last week, speaking of misbehavior, Robert did such a great job, didn't he? Such a great job talking about the tithe and the way God what stood out to me Actually, let me move this on a little bit. That's the orphan. I'm got, I said I'd do my own slides, and now I'm forgetting to do my own slides. But Robert talked about the, the five loaves and the two fish, didn't he? How God's plan, God's strategy, God's solution, if you like, doesn't look like enough. <laughs> right? You know, five loaves, two fish for 5,000 people doesn't look like much, does it? The tithe doesn't look like much <laughs> to be able to sustain a church family. It doesn't look like, it looks like a lot when you're writing the check from your salary, <laughs> but it doesn't look like much when you put it in the offering. And you think, well, how's God going to use it? But God loves to work with stuff that doesn't look like it's enough. If your tithe is $5, put it in. Because God loves to work with what doesn't look like enough. That's the beauty of the tithe. It's just that first 10%. <laughs> you know, sometimes my tithe doesn't look very much. The end of the month is more, but in the middle of the week, not a lot. <laughs> but God works with what doesn't look like enough. And that's the same thing <laughs> with doing church as family. It feels like it's not enough. It feels insignificant. It feels like it's too simple. And, and that's why... When, when we want to do church uh, 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 as a family, it, it feels a little bit like that. <laughs> Just a little tiny seed. Have you ever come in here and thought, well, what's God going to do with a little crowd like us? I mean, you don't have to say it out loud, but, but I bet most of us have at some point. It's like, well, not very many here this week. What's God going to do? God loves to show up. And turn seeds into harvests. Yeah? It's good. Hallelujah. Human nature is to want the opposite. We want the big crowd and the, you know, the kind of huge event type situation. And I'm not against huge events at all, but that doesn't solve this little guy's need. Because the orphan 
needs family. The orphan needs family. And too often the big event can be more like a factory than a family. An institution, if you like. And like I say, I'm not against that. I'm just saying it's not the whole picture. And what God has called us to be is a family. You see, the orphan... Let's just focus on him for just a second here before we get on to church as family. The orphan is alone. That's the whole point of an orphan. I'm living as if I don't have a heavenly father. And the orphan wants to be alone because in that place he can be in control. <laughs> I want to look after my own affairs because it's not safe to trust anybody else. Or he'd rather be in a big institution, in an orphanage, where it's easy to compete with other people. But God didn't make you to control your own life, and he didn't make you to compete with other people. God made you to be in community. So it's not compete, uh, and it's not control, it's community. That's what God created us for, and that's what he wants. He wants the orphan to be in a family. A true son or daughter is together with all of the rest of the family. The true son or daughter uh, can mature through interaction. Now, we've got to recognize that in our human society, in our world today, we haven't done a great job of family. Okay? So most of us carry issues in this area, and it's good for us to recognize them. We'll get to that in just a moment. But a true son or daughter is together with others in a healthy family, and that son or daughter matures through interaction. So they're not being controlled, they're not being controlling, they're not competing with the other family members. Each one grows up into who they were made to be. That's a healthy family, and that's what we want to be around here. Let's look at Psalm 68 for a second, because this is God's heart for us. It says, a father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Now, in the original Hebrew, that is a poem and it's in doubles, it's in pairs. And that's why the lines are like that on the screen. So God is a father to the fatherless and defender of widows. God whose dwelling is holy. It's kind of a picture of this holy fortress that God dwells in. That's a safe place to come into if you are fatherless or widowed. That is God's heart for all of us. He wants us to be placed into second pair places the lonely in families, sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. In other words, when I'm not in a family, when I'm living like an orphan, I'm a prisoner to that mindset. But God is committed to placing me in a spiritual family in order that I could be set free from that prison of loneliness and find the joy of community. That's God's heart but not just us in this room, but for everyone. And you know why it's God's heart? Because you can actually describe God as a family. Here's three different verses that show us the family of God. 
2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. God is a father. Describes himself as a father and says that he wants relationship with us as sons and daughters. And then in John 14, 18, I think we did this two weeks ago, but it's so important that we say it again. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Who said that? Jesus did. He says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So the son wants many sons and daughters around him to come to the father. And then in Galatians 4 verse 6, it says that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the spirit is involved as well, giving us the revelation deep inside. So this is not something that your head will lead you into alone. Your spirit, your heart, your soul needs to be engaged by the Holy Spirit to bring you into that level of relationship. Now, he wants that, <laughs> but what I'm saying is you can't push yourself into it. You can only rest yourself into it. Right? You have to accept it. You can't make it happen. You can let it happen because it's God's heart for you. So you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three together like a family, and we reflect our Creator when we prioritize family relationships, when we prioritize church being like a family. And I'm not just talking about a biological family, a nuclear family, because as I've said, there's a there's a challenge for most of us in that, that there are no perfect parents. And there are actually no perfect children either. There are even no perfect grandchildren, in case that applies to any of us. <laughs> I was not a perfect grandchild by any means, but it was my grandmother's prayers that got me in the kingdom a long time ago. See, it's not a question of can you be a perfect whatever you are, <laughs> because some of you have just transitioned from being merely a child into being an adult and into being a parent. <laughs> it's not a question of can you be a great parent. <laughs> it's a question of which spiritual family does God want to put you in so that those things can be true for you. And most of us know that God has brought us into this spiritual family. And if you look through this library from the beginning, you'll see that God is always into family. He started with Adam and Eve and their kids. <laughs> and that started to go pear-shaped when one killed the other because he, <laughs> you, you know, etc. I mean, God has been dealing with human frailty and human sin from the very beginning. But he always wants there to be increase. You remember he called Abram out of a faraway place and brought him to the place that he was going to do what he was going to do. And then he, was, he, he wanted that, that single couple to grow into a whole nation. And yet when he called them, and when they're on the journey and they get this promise, they're both of them incapable of having any children. Well, a man and a woman who can't have children uh, can't be the father and mother of a nation. <laughs> but 
But God's in the business of multiplying. If you go back to the very beginning, the very first command to Adam and Eve was to what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God is so... You run out of words. <laughs> so immense, so multiplicative. <laughs> he wants us to be in that mold. So this is a multiplying family. We're reflecting God when we prioritize family growing out of our relationships. It's not just about mom, dad, and 2.4 kids. It's not just about, I didn't have that, therefore I'm always going to be excluded from what God is doing. God has got a bigger plan than that. In fact, if you look at most of the stories in the Old Testament, God is constantly overturning our expectations about what family is going to look like and blessing the ones who don't deserve it and restoring the ones who got lost and, and redeeming the ones. And he just keeps to overturning what went wrong. Because he's a God of family, he's a God of multiplication, he's a God of a nation, he's the God of a kingdom. So this applies to every believer. Malachi 4, 5 and 6, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So God is in the business of transforming not just your relationship with him as your heavenly father, but your relationship with one another as fathers and mothers and sons and daughters so that through our interaction we grow gr closer to God, we grow in our relationship with God. Um, and it's Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, we know from the New Testament that was John the Baptist before Jesus came. This is not something that's going to happen in the future before some huge wrap-up. This is something that's already happened in the past for us. We live on the, 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 the kingdom side <laughs> of what he's talking about here. In other words, this is wide open for all of us right now and forever onward. Turning the hearts of fathers to children, children to fathers. Hallelujah. What's my next verse? Yes. <laughs> First Corinthians. Chapter 4, verse 15. You know, you are called to fathering and mothering, whoever you are. You might be in your early years, but you're still called to fathering and mothering. You may be single and have always been, and maybe you even expect to always be single. You're still called to fathering and mothering. You may be a parent who knows that you messed it all up. You're still called to fathering and mothering. You may have had a really hard background. You're still called to fathering and mothering. What does it say here? For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's Paul speaking to a church that was full of all kinds of weirdness. <laughs> He's like, hey guys, you're a mess. 
for the love of all that's holy, would you stop it? <laughs> but I became a father to you in Christ. You see, this is not about getting it right on a human level. You're not disqualified. I, I've met with and interacted with so many parents who are either very proud of how right they got it, <laughs> and their kids are now in counseling with Brandy, <laughs> or most often, that's like 5%, the 95% are the parents who are like, oh, you know, there's this and there's that, and I did this and I didn't do that, and, and I'm just such a useless parent. Is it just me or is it the right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I see those hands. None of that has any bearing on your calling to be a spiritual father or mother. None of it. Because you notice it's in Christ Jesus I became your father. Through the gospel I became your father. You see, God is in the business of to upturning your history and my history and your failure and my failure and your lack and my lack. And he turns it around through Jesus and he wants every one of us to be spiritual fathers and mothers. And that's not just giving birth. Yes, it's a great thing to say to somebody, have you accepted Jesus so that you will be in relationship with God. Is he your Lord and your Savior? That's a beautiful thing to do. It's essential that we do that. Caleb is my wonderful visual aid. They didn't give birth and then just leave him in the hospital to do what he could. <laughs> right? Like, okay, he's born. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> They're actually discipling him. Modeling for him what it's like to follow Jesus. And he's only a little way down the journey yet. He's got a few more things to learn. But that young man is going to be a world changer because of the example he's got. Spiritual fathering and mothering is helping anybody who loves Jesus to take another step into their maturity, into their health, into their becoming a father or mother themselves. Because you see, the goal of parenting is not to raise children. The goal of parenting is not to raise children. Huh? No, it's to raise healthy, mature adults who can have children themselves. That's a whole different ballgame whole different ball game. So don't believe the disqualification and don't just stop with getting people to become a believer, to become a baby believer. Yes, start there by all means, but everyone you meet, help them to grow another step. So over to you. What does it look like to do church as a family? What are some of the things that we should expect to see when we're doing church as a family, the way I've just described. Growth. Yep. Somebody else? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. 
That's a good word, isn't it? One we hate. Oops. <laughs> yes, that was my question. There it is. Who else? Acceptance. That is so vital, isn't it? Inclusion. In other words, we're not about who's in and who's out. We're about all in and sort it out afterwards. Encouragement, Encouragement and... Oh, you said amen. <laughs> yeah, I won't write down amen, but yes, amen. Encouragement. Yeah, the people who said encouragement simultaneously are the parents of how many children and how many grandchildren and have been married for how long? <laughs> Robert? Prefer one another, yes. Is preferment a word? I suppose it, it is now. <laughs> Love? Yep. Giving ourselves, yes. This is all good, isn't it? And I hope you see this week by week. Thank you. Forgiveness. <laughs> so <laughs> you're now Tracy. Okay. <laughs> Forgiveness from three directions here. This is good. Healthy. That's good. Room for one more. Boundaries. <laughs> We're really opening it up this morning, aren't we? Yes. Lots. Messy. Thank you. Accountability. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good family. You can find everything you need here. <laughs> we do messy really well. <laughs> Anybody else? Participation. That is an interesting one, isn't it? Because that's where the orphan tries to... Submission and patience... <laughs> Respect. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer probably shouldn't be right down at the bottom right-hand corner, should it? But anyway, yeah. So all of those things are part of healthy family. I would say that we all have times where we're pretty good at it. And then we all have times where we suck. Just being real. That's where this one comes in, right? <laughs> yeah. So, we've got to choose... Well, let me say something about forgiveness first. <laughs> 
Forgiveness is a choice you can make in advance. Most of you know the nice lady that I've lived with for nearly 35 years now. She's not in the room. But we both made a choice a long, long time ago that we were going to forgive. She very rarely does something that upsets me. When she does, I've already chosen to forgive her. And that makes it a little easier. And thankfully, she's done the same with me. But I recommend it as you look around the room. I'm going to choose to forgive in advance. It's a good one. And then the other thing I wanted to... Where was it? Vulnerability. Or another word could be transparency. Because the Bible talks a lot about walking in the light. And the light is only visible because of the transparency of where the light shines from. The light is in you, but until you're transparent, it doesn't shine out of you. But most of us have been trained by life to try to cover up the bad bits. Or the weak bits. Or the, the nasty bits. <laughs> right? But vulnerability and transparency is very important. Now those two, in my mind, go together. I'm able to be much more vulnerable and transparent with my wife because she's already chosen to forgive me ahead of time. And I've already chosen to forgive her. So those two things go together in a healthy family. But I want to encourage all of you to embrace transparency. Because it has to be chosen. <laughs> and then, I can't remember who said participation. Thank you, Chuck. There's a wise man over there in the corner. Because you know what? The enemy will always try and convince you that there's all kinds of reasons not to. Well, I'm just an introvert. Or I've had a really hard week. Or it's a long way to Ronnie Court. Or if anybody finds out what I did last week, then they won't want to talk to me. Or, or whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things that go on. The enemy is dead set against you and I participating. But actually God says you've got to choose together. You've got to choose to be together for this family to work. And so it's huge, isn't it? Okay. Uh, what else have I got here? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Not sure this is on here yet. I guess kind of. We have to have the willingness and the desire to deal with our past hurts, not just in our biological families, our families of origin, but also any mischaracterizations of what church is like. Because every church is imperfect. And so all of us who've been in church for some time will have some level of hurt from past churches or even some level of hurt from this church. <laughs> but God is in the business of fixing all that stuff. That's why we place such a high value on the R in our FIRE acronym of restoring and renewing and redeeming and bringing restoration to our lives. And then one more thing about doing church as a family. 
<laughs> it's your interaction with one another that God uses. It's your interaction with one another that will mature you. It's when we interact that all of this comes into play. It's the other side of that together thing. So, my question would be, first off, who fathers or mothers you? I don't mean smothers, I mean fathers or mothers. Who do you receive from? And it doesn't have to be one person. This is not a question, of, it's not like Dr. Seuss, you know, will you be my mother? <laughs> but there are people in your life who God uses to teach you to grow up. And you need to know who they are so that you can invest in that relationship, or those relationships, I should say, because it's not usually one person. You know, for Jane and I, there have been all kinds of folks, and still are, who father and mother us. That's how we've learned to be fathers and mothers ourselves. And then along with that, who are you a father or mother to? Because you don't have to wait for the conclusion of one before you start doing the other. The two go hand in hand. We're still being fathered and mothered by various folks, even as we're learning to father and mother other people. But remember God's plan and God's purpose. He doesn't want it to be little old me alone. He's the God of family. He's the God of tribe. He's the God of nation. He's the God of kingdom. And he wants the family to keep growing. And so it's how we go through that process. Who are you a father or mother to? And if you're not sure, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Father, who have you put in my life to help to mature me? And I've learned to say thank you for those people. Even if sometimes I say thank you through clenched teeth. <laughs> thank you that you knew who to put in my life to mature me, to stretch me, to call out of me the good that's there, that you placed there. But Father, who have you put in my life for me to be that for them. And I believe right now in this moment he's dropping faces and names into your heart. Had you realized that your relationship with that one is fathering and mothering and bringing them to the fullness of who God designed them to be. And this one. And that one. And her. And him. And because God is the, the God of multiplication, 
I believe God will show you more people that you are investing your life in than he'll show you people who are investing their lives in you. For Jane and me, we've probably got four or five folks that we consider to be spiritual fathers and mothers to us. And whenever they reach out to us, we listen. Whenever we have a need or a challenge or something we need wisdom on, we go to them. But God has given us far more than that of people to invest into. And it's true for all of you. God has given you people to invest in and to bring into maturity. He says to every one of us, be fruitful and multiply. You only become a spiritual father or mother by first becoming a son or daughter. Which is why the A school coming up is so important. Didn't plan to mention this in the message, but here we are. I strongly encourage you to make space in your life to do the A school, if you can. I know several of you have already registered. Some of you are still thinking about it. But I'd encourage you to do that because the investment of one week in learning to be more of a son or daughter to your Heavenly Father will pay great dividends in how much spiritual fathering and mothering you're equipped and anointed and empowered to do. Now, it doesn't disqualify those of us who can't get to the A school. <laughs> but I would encourage you to invest in your sonship, in your submission to the Father. <laughs> and to close, I want us to just take inventory with God. Doing church as a family is something we all embrace. And I think there are four scores on our scorecard, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> God scores my embrace of spiritual family by these four measures. The first is my identity, which is what I was just talking about. How well does my heart know that I'm a son or daughter of the king. I'm sure for all of us it's a long way there. <laughs> but if I had to give myself a score out of 10, I'd probably go maybe a 7. There's room for more. It used to be a 1.5 or 2. <laughs> I'm glad it's changed. But what's my score on my identity? then second on my scorecard is community because as we've said God is community and we only grow in community how am I doing with community how am I doing what's my score there you know I didn't learn to be a spiritual parent in an hour on a Sunday morning 
It was all of the interactions with different people along the way. Ones who invested in me, ones I invested in, and I gradually grew into it. How am I doing with community? Maturity goes right along with community, because like I said earlier, <laughs> it's those interactions that mature me. But I'm thankful that by interacting with one another, God will bring us into maturity. So how's my maturity doing? Part of that is my life experience with God and the amount to which his truth has got in my heart, not just my head. But the other half of it is how do I interact with other people? How much like Jesus am I in my interactions with you? I hope it's a lot better than it used to be. But it's nowhere near perfect yet. I want to score myself in that. I want to let God score me in that. So that he can show me where I can grow. And I don't know if multiplicity is a word, but I wanted another itty. So I called it multiplicity. How am I multiplying myself into other people? What does God want me to do with each of those relationships he just showed me. Who am I fathering and mothering? What can I do to invest in them? What do I have that they need? Or what do they need that I can find them? How can I encourage? How can I challenge? How can I help them find healing? How does God want to multiply what he's already done? Because remember, he's not just the God of Abram. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And out of Jacob, a nation. And out of that nation, a kingdom. There's much, much more that God wants to do. And you are part of it, along with me. God wants us to become spiritual sons and daughters who mature into spiritual fathers and mothers. Not mothers and fathers of children, but mothers and fathers of healthy adults who have children themselves. So let's pray together. And as we begin to pray, let's just ask God to show us how are we doing on the scorecard. And then... I want to bless one aspect of that. So Father, would you speak to me about these four things? How's my identity in you? What do you want to say to me about community? that you've already started to lead me into maturity but what's the next step
would you help me to believe that you have many for me to invest in? And show me who they are and what I have to offer them. foundation of it all is your identity and so I want to bless your identity if you're willing for God to take you deeper in your identity I'd like you just to put your hand on your heart with me right now the change which you bring to each of us requires our cooperation more than our understanding. And so right now I'm choosing to open my heart to you as wide as I know how that my identity would be truly the identity you have for me. My identity in Christ. My identity in the Gospel. That you would give me that spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that I would know your love for me and thus who I am in you. I allow you, Holy Spirit, to fill me again now with the revelation that I am a child of God. And that by your presence in me, I would cry out, Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father. And in my turning to you and receiving what you give, would you wash away everything in my past and my present that would hinder that revelation. All the pain, give it to you. Every regret, I release it to you. Every disappointment I open to you now for your restoration and redemption. Every failure I lay it at your feet. 
every broken relationship. I bring it to you, Daddy, like a child would bring a broken toy. And I hand it over to you and say, Daddy, this is broken. Would you fix it? Father, to the degree that I've been focused on myself through regrets and pain and sadness or whatever, would you be the lifter of my head? Would you take my face in your hands and turn me toward you? That I would see your smile, that I would hear your voice, that I could look deep into your eyes, feel your breath on my face, and know that you accept me just as I am, and you love me too much to leave me as I am. So for every one of us now, Lord, let there be a fresh impartation of identity as your son or daughter. A fresh revelation, not only of your love for me, but of your destiny for me. That I would receive the spirit of sonship. And in receiving, be able to give that same spirit to others as a spiritual father or mother. So multiply me into those lives that you've given me. Multiply your presence into every relationship that the folks in this room represent. Let your kingdom come here in Myrtle Beach and right across the world starting with me as your son or your daughter and as a spiritual father or mother in you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. I have one last request because I believe God did something very deep in each of us in that moment. Don't keep it to yourself when you see what God is up to. Share it with one another. Share it with us. Because we all want to celebrate what God is up to. This new year, there's more. And we're part of it. So let's celebrate it as we go. Hallelujah. Are you ready for fun? All right. I've gone on too long. I will stop. Hug someone before you go, and we'll see you back here next week.